No solace this day. The bereft morning is lost in howling mourning. That three-line poem or haiku was written especially for us for Good Friday, the day each year when Christians around the world remember the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ. I'm Alison Hilliard and that poem is wrestling with the big issues of life and death and what Christianity and specifically the story of Good Friday and Easter have to say about those mysteries. Poetry seems to help us find a way of thinking about these things without having to know all the answers, to help us understand in an intuitive way rather than having to stress about theological detail. So that's what we'll be doing today with the help of some of our listeners and the poet Stuart Henderson, who wrote the haiku we've just heard. Stuart, tell us first of all what a haiku is. A haiku is a traditional Japanese form of precise poem going back to about the ninth century and what it is the first line five syllables the second line seven syllables the third line five syllables it's very much precision poetry and as such it's almost a perfect poem for the twitter generation you can't stretch the characters it's got to be bang on it's almost like taking an internal selfie and it takes expansive thoughts and makes them incredibly precise. And is that perhaps what makes a haiku a useful device at a time of really intense emotion when people may be feeling from Good Friday to Easter Monday, that whole range of emotions from despair and fear through to anger and desolation and then to joy on Easter Sunday? Yes, there are many ways of describing a haiku. Let's call it an inward prayer written down for the benefit of others. So tell us a bit more about the haiku we've just heard from you. That particular haiku, what I've done, in fact, is we're looking at the drama and the theatre of the crucifixion and I played with the words where it says the bereft mourning is lost. We're told in the Gospels that when Jesus was dying and when he died, the sky went dark completely. And then I play with the word mourning in howling mourning as in grieving. Let's hear that haiku again. No solace this day. The bereft morning is lost in howling morning. We'll be hearing another haiku that Stuart has written during the programme, as well as some of the haiku we've received from you by email and by Twitter. Thank you to everyone who replied. It's been a real pleasure to read them. This one is from Richard Farquharson from Bedfordshire. 
our Savior is gone. God made flesh, destroyed by man. Where did we go wrong? Stuart, that hauko follows the format that you explained to us, the five syllables, the seven syllables, and then the five syllables again. And Richard, who wrote it, tells us that he liked the challenge of writing it because of the discipline of condensing what you want to say into this compact, rigid format. He says it's a format that helps you get straight to the heart of the matter. It sounds like you agree with him. Oh, very much so. Uh, That haiku in particular... I would place under the subheading of soliloquy, almost. Beautifully read, dramatically read, and gives us the spirit of the drama that a haiku can communicate. But it also condenses the significance of Good Friday, doesn't it? It's very bold. It says, God made flesh destroyed by man. And also, in the last line, where did we go wrong? It presents us with a challenge. So it's not just a case of this is a haiku that captures a historical event that happened, but also it throws out a question mark to us. Were we collectively responsible? Well, here's another one of our entries now by Tim Lenton, who tells us he's a retired journalist. Skin running with blood. Bread and wine in the distance. Clouds stained sunset red. What do you make of that haiku, Stuart, and particularly that use of the colour red linking the the crucifixion then to the end of the day and then to the red in the communion wine? I find that a very emotive haiku and consistent with the symbolism of the crucifixion, but also at the same time it refers back to what's traditionally called the Last Supper. We read in the Gospels that Jesus and the disciples gathered and had a meal together. Now, it was the feast of Passover for the Jews where wine is served and the haiku encapsulates this drama which has gone before where Jesus is basically saying, I am the new wine, I am this blood which is about to be offered for you. Well, now for another haiku... My God, my God, why? Into the deep dark you went, to new life unknown. Well, that haiku was written by Mark Dowd, one of my colleagues here at Things Unseen. And that haiku, Stuart, brings us straight to the centre of the emotion that Jesus 
might have been feeling on the cross. It's the fear, the questioning, the doubt. And I think that Haiku does that very powerfully. Very much so. And also there's a glorious paradox there because we are talking about one man's death. The last line, to new life unknown, now depends on your interpretation of death, what happens afterwards. But what Mark Dowd is saying there is that Jesus was going through the dark chasm into the burial chamber in order to experience a new life, an expansive life, a life unknown. Doesn't it also echo the fear that maybe we all have and a fear that you can't run away from on Good Friday, a fear of what does come after death, what will death bring? I'm reminded of Brendan Bean, the Irish playwright, his approach to death being that he was, in fact, a daylight atheist. There's nothing like the night to concentrate our mind. Because of the age I am now, sadly, I'm going to a fair number of funerals and I've gone to, I think it's three or four in the past 12 months. And I've written poems for funerals. And that is almost the worst of challenges for a poet because you don't want to assume that what I may write in a poem about death, everyone else is going to feel this sense of hope. I think we should hear that haiku once again. My God. My God. Hi. Into the deep dark you went, to new life unknown. Good Friday, storm tossed. Ward 6. A torn curtain pulled around laboured breaths. Well, that haiku for Good Friday is certainly written from the heart and it's written by Lenore Beauregard from Yorkshire. She says that her mother needs round-the-clock assistance after having a stroke and Lenore is her carer. And she emailed us to say that as a carer you see a lot of suffering and that that suffering is what inspired her haiku. She writes, um, Good Friday to me is all about the suffering of the world at large and Easter Sunday is about the hope that transcends even the worst suffering. Quite a few of our listeners, Stuart, drew out the contrast between Good Friday and Easter Sunday as time, I suppose, inevitably moves from one to the other, from death to resurrection, from sorrow to joy. How do you personally hold those two days together? I remember when my wife had a stroke and she was rushed into hospital, and we really didn't know what was happening. And I was told that she would she would never walk again, and she manifested all the classic symptoms of a stroke. So I relate to that very much. It is in, I think, again, more paradox. It is in suffering. We experience something of the deep compassion of God, And if we're saying that Jesus is the manifestation of God's heart, 
then Jesus has identified physically with the worst kind of suffering. So that's how I see that haiku, that Jesus is in the hospital ward. Well, let's have an example now of moving from one emotion on Good Friday to another on Easter Sunday in our next haiku. Burden hangs heavy as love chooses death. But wait. From the tomb springs life. That haiku was by Sarah Crowley from Hertfordshire. Stuart, do you get a sense that there's a movement here from sorrow to hope in that haiku? It made me smile, the sound effect. Ta-da! Is there a danger here, though, of being a wee bit trite about it and thinking that it's actually all right to hold the suffering as long as you can look towards Easter Sunday, but that mightn't be much comfort to somebody who has a burden that hangs heavily, as we hear Sarah Crowley has written. Yes, but then all through the the Jewish scriptures, there are characters who have wrestled with the darkness. Job in particular is a story I go back to again and again when he's lost absolutely everything. And there is a metaphorical silence when he's had this great wailing soliloquy of God. And there is a silence. And God speaks in the silence. So, yes, the idea of saying to somebody, well, don't worry, love, it's all got to turn out in the end, you know what I mean? Like, that I find offensive. And you mightn't have found that too helpful when you were struggling with a Good Friday experience when your wife had a stroke. Yes, precisely, yeah. I remember there was one awful incident. My wife was in this stroke ward, and it was a, a women's ward. And the women were in various states of great anguish and... Some of them had lost their speech completely. And the hospital DJ comes round and says, anybody got any requests? You've got a ward full of people, half of whom can't speak. And I took him to one side and I said, I think you may need to perhaps adapt your approach. Um, let's have our next two haiku and they're by a Baptist minister, Richard Littledale. No moss on this stone. All of that rolling away must have rocked its world. Grave clothes are for sale, suitable for recycling. One careless owner. Well, Richard there writes to tell us that that last haiku was inspired by the tale of a bet placed with Ernest Hemingway in a bar. Apparently somebody bet him that he couldn't come up with a story in six words which would move people to tears. And he came up with for sale, baby shoes 
never worn. And that won him the bet. And Richard says that in the case of this haiku, the owner of the grave clothes was careless because he had no further need for the clothes. I must say, I never thought I'd be having the image of a careless Christ who has been a little careless with his grave clothes and been accused of, of that in a haiku. That particular haiku makes me smile because it plays with the form. When my mother died, come the funeral... She wanted her ashes scattered on my father's grave. So we thought, yes, that's what we'll do. And then the people at the cemetery said, no, you can't do that because of health and safety, because the ashes could go in somebody's eye. And then, being Liverpool, a mate of mine said, I've got the solution. What happens is that everybody gathering round the grave will all wear swimming goggles... And the idea of 150 mourners wearing swimming goggles and somebody walking past thinking, what on earth is going on? There is a similar spirit in this particular haiku. In the right way, we laugh at death. Well, there's very much a sense of that and a sense of the playful in your next haiku. Abracadabra, now you see him. How you do. see how it's done. I love that sense. And again, it's not being flippant, hopefully. What it is, is being, ooh, that's interesting. How did that happen? Now, I suppose for atheists, I'm not in any way trying to minimise their deeply held beliefs there is no possibility of something else happening after we've gone. I'm just playing with the form there and saying, consider then. But even if you're not an atheist, the resurrection is hard to get your head around. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, don't ask me, ask God. Which is not a bad way to think about it, but I think it is something that really a lot of people have, have trouble with. But also at the same time, because we are these rational beings, we are held by this experience called life and and, and this is the totality of all we know. There's a certain arrogance in that or a certain limitation in that and if we remain within those parameters then that means our thinking cannot be expansive to consider the impossible. Well, let's have another haiku and this one is A much more matter-of-fact haiku. I don't know if it's considering they're possible or not. Such a mild winter. Daffodils, too early, will die before Easter. There is a lovely matter-of-factness about that, isn't there? It's a very cunning haiku, that one. Using the everyday symbol of spring, of daffodils, and almost turning them upside down. 
It's by Bev Jones who tells us that she's in her 70s and a Methodist and she says that she wrote that haiku because she was taught that Japanese haiku are usually about the natural world. Now Bev of course is right as you said earlier haiku have been around in Japan since the 9th century and they're traditionally about nature and the the changing seasons. Is that an important link for you? Yes and Bev congratulations she has stayed true to form so far as the haiku is concerned. For me, nature, and especially springtime, obviously it's a cliché, is about new life, but also the fragility of new life. My wife and I used to live up in Scotland, and we always used to think, come February, when the snowdrops started appearing, we lived in a village that was about 1,500 feet up. So we always got worried when the snowdrops appeared too early because we knew that snow was coming around about sort of March or April. So, yes, I like what Bev has done with that, the idea of this this mild winter, but that's not the end of it. It could all go horribly wrong. Just going back to that sense of focusing on nature, um, another a person who sent us in a haiku was Lisa Sherratt from the Bible Reading Fellowship in Abingdon in Oxfordshire. And Lisa says that she writes haiku in her spare time to actually force her to pay closer attention to the world around her and to actually observe the natural world. And that's why she says she started her haiku with the full moon of Passover. Full. Overflowing. The moon. A cup of anguish. Then a tomb. Empty. Empty. What do you make of that, Stuart? Wonderful contrasts there. We do start with this idea of expanse to starkness, to night, to light, and the question mark of the empty tomb, beautifully written. Is it also a chance to actually refocus on the natural world and think how the natural world itself responded to the death of Christ? You know, the hours of darkness before his death, the earth quaking, and then the laying of Christ in the ground itself. The sense that the natural world, if you like, is almost paralleling the drama. Yes, there is a grief in the natural world, especially when we read the account in the Gospels and the New Testament. There is that sombre sense of almost nature standing still. Well, let's hear our final few poems today, starting with another one from Lenore Beauregard and then one from Toby Scott. Walking home from church, cold inside. Then a child's smile speaks resurrection. We walked, we too, on. In dust, in fear, further on. 
He was right with us. Toby Scott from Lancashire wrote that last haiku. He works for the National Council for Palliative Care and he tells us that this haiku is about the two apostles on the road to Emmaus, confused and somewhat downhearted, but they were still willing to share their thoughts and their hospitality with a stranger. So writes Toby, wherever we go, however we feel, Christ is with us. Stuart, is that a message that you take from this haiku and from the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday? Very much so. Toby's haiku in particular, looking at the the last line, he was right with us. There is a surprise there. It struck the apostles that the stranger walking with them, they actually knew but they didn't know. And then just going back to Lenore's haiku, where she takes an ordinary experience about walking home from church, cold inside, then a child smiles, speaks resurrection. So there is this element of the resurrection is in the everyday, the resurrection is around us, if we can but stand and consider. Two very fine haiku. Thank you. Well, thanks again to everyone who emailed or tweeted us with their haiku. I'm sorry we couldn't include them all, but if you'd like to listen to any of our haiku again, you can find them on our website, and that's www.thingsonscene.co.uk. But one final haiku from Tim Lenton again, which was a favourite for all of us at Things On Scene, and not just because it includes the name of our podcast. Mary leaves the tomb, her hands full of light after touching things unseen. Now, I love that sense that Mary has touched something mysterious, something unknowable, and that's given her the gift of light or the gift of of seeing. And I think that's a wonderful Easter gift for us to look forward to. The line that does it for me is her hands full of light. That's a wonderful metaphor, a great consideration to take us into the Easter period. Stuart Tenderson, thank you very much for making a journey with us from Good Friday to Easter Sunday, along with the help of your wonderful haiku. And our thanks too to our readers, Nicola Walker and Anton Lesser. I'm Alison Hilliard and you've been listening to Things Unseen, the programme for those who believe there's more to life than the material world. Things Unseen was brought to you by CTVC and let's finish by hearing that last haiku once more. Mary leaves the tomb, her hands full of light after touching things unseen.